Welcome to episode 522 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 522 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. I always have to say today's show is going to be a little bit different. John and I tried to hook up, he's over in France right now doing Epic Camp France, and we tried to hook up yesterday morning just to kind of get the show done over the internet, but his internet was basically hopeless, <laughs> so, so we weren't able to do the show. So what, what's going to happen today is John's been doing some Epic Camp interviews, and uh, we're just going to put those on over the next period of time. And we've also got an interview with Rob Wilby. And that's pretty much going to be the show. Then next week, depending on what happens, I may even chuck an interview that I've done on fitness behavior on here just to fill in some time. Because I'm not quite sure how many interviews John have got. But I'm, I'm going to try and make sure we get an hour in the show. So, you know, if you're going for your hour run right now and you're putting on the podcast and you need an hour, make sure you get an hour out. So that's going to be what's happening in the show. Next week, hopefully we can get good internet for John and we'll be back to some kind of normal show. And then I think John's back from his trip the week after that anyway. So we'll be back into the normal studios and we're trying to line up some pretty cool interviews over the next period of time. So listen up for those. Anyway, uh, here we go. I'm just going to get pretty much straight into the show. And here are John with some Epic Camp interviews and maybe even some other stuff as well. Here we go. Okay guys, I decided to take an executive decision as I completely stuffed up uh, my timing this morning with Bevan and I'm going to just go through the news of the last few weeks and uh, and Bevan's just going to insert this into the show. So, with races, we will know the big news we've got is our IM Talk race kit is finally ready. So it is looking awesome. We're going to have a link on our Facebook page, also on imtalk.me uh, and it basically, it, what it does, it takes you off to a teamwear store which is being hosted by the World Triathlon Union Store. Uh, we've got these really cool design, new designs and it's got the full range of everything you can imagine. We've got uh, t-shirts, we've got bike jerseys, we've got long sleeve bike jerseys, we've got uh, vests, we've got socks, arm warmers, leg warmers, um, caps, uh, we've even got iPhone covers and notebook covers. So there's uh, loads of stuff on there. It's all made by Champion Systems. Um, so a lot of you guys would have tried their gear in the past in terms of sizing, but basically we've outsourced it all. So in terms of contacting um, about shipping or, or anything like that, just go onto that website and contact those guys rather than us. Um, how we're going to run it is the same as what we've done in the past where we'll have a cutoff date, um, it'll be in about three or four weeks time, order your gear um, before that time and then we'll cut it off, get all the kit made and then get it sent out to you. So realistically you probably won't be seeing it until uh, August time so we'll uh, do the orders sort of through July, get it made at the start of August and then uh, get it probably shipped around about the end of August so it's looking really cool, really really cool, uh, really pleased with the design. We've got tri suits and racing gear as well and so we would love you guys to be out there racing in it. Uh, we had an email in earlier this week um, from a guy, Pat, who was racing at the Leeds ITU distance uh, race, World Series a few weeks ago and he ended up running behind a guy wearing an IM 
Iron Talk jersey and he said as he ran past him he couldn't resist shouting I am talk for all things Iron Man my best, in my best New Zealand accent. Uh, my comment was received with a smile and the commentator was also picking up on the jersey and reading out your podcast address and said how great it was. So that's just a bit of insight from Pat where he saw a guy wearing our gear and racing and uh, saw the encouragement that he got from the crowd, from the spectators etc and so yeah if you guys are wearing our gear it means a lot to us and it also you know you might get meet a few more people out there at the races if you're wearing the t-shirt when you sort of rock up to registration there's going to be loads of people that will recognize you and it's just sort of a bit, bit of an icebreaker so it'd be great if you guys can support it the gear looks really cool we know that with champion systems um you know they're consistent you can try you can uh, lots of you have gear you can work out the sizing and so on uh, the shipping's really reasonable as long as you, if you buy sort of more than one thing, I think if it's over $100, then uh, then the shipping's, uh, I think, 25 US, pretty much anywhere in the world. So check all out all those details uh, online, and we will, yeah, get that gear out to you guys, and uh, you'll be looking looking stylish. It's very different to what, the, what we had in the past. But on to other things, um, I guess the big news for this week that we'll hopefully have through the show is uh, Epic Camp is about to start, I'm sitting in our hotel lobby at 5 o'clock in the morning um, trying to get ready and we kick off tomorrow but we're going out for a little bike ride today so I'll talk through a bit about the camp uh, later on. But also in terms of the racing side of things, as you guys know, the last few weeks with the shows, uh, we had to pre-record a whole bunch, so we haven't had any any re- results of late. Uh, but we did have a number of races sort of during that period. We had Ironman France. Um, we had I think we did the results for that. But then we had uh, Ironman Cairns, which was uh, some some really solid racing. Tim Tim Van Berkel took that out uh, with a fantastic run, uh, swam 47 rode 4.36 and ran a 2.46 for 8.15.05 uh, managed to haul in David Dello on the run and uh, David Dello was second at 8.19 and Pete Jacobs uh, you know, Bevan did an interview with him a few weeks ago and you know, he's, he got back into it, certainly not the, the Kona run that we know that he's possible of, so he swam 46, rode 4.35 which was uh, around about the same time as the other guys and the and ran a 3.02 for 8.28. So third place, still in front of some really good athletes, so not, uh, you wouldn't say he's back to his Kona levels, but uh, good to see him back. Had good field, Brad Carter felt uh, fourth, Jens Peterson Bach in, in fifth, Luke McKenzie, who was blasting it uh, fairly early in the race, but only ran a 3.08, so he dropped a sixth. Jordan Rapp, seventh, uh, Roman Guillaume, who's been top 10 in Kona in eighth. So overall, you know, really strong, strong field. Plus a lot of guys uh, d- DNF'd. Uh, you had Clayton Fatal, who was uh, had an absolute flyer and was just crushing them all off the bike, um, but obviously exerted a little bit too much energy there and had a DNF. Cam Brown just was having a miserable day, uh, as was Matt Hansen. So some big names didn't, didn't finish. On the girls' side of things, I've got to say, Jodie Swallow was pretty bloody impressive. Uh, she swam 49 minutes and rode 4.50. Uh, so none of the other girls went under five hours. The next best time was Sarah Crawley at 5.03. So um, when you've got that swim-bike combination like Jodie Swallow is, she was just so far in front. She only ran 3.21. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that was because she was blowing or because she just had the race under control, but she went 9.06. 18 and had a six minute victory over Lindsay Corbin with uh, Sarah Crowley in third place so yeah some good racing we also had um, Challenge Denmark didn't look like a a huge field um, at that race but we had uh, Chris Fisher from Denmark take it out from Matthias Kronsala and uh, 
and as Christensen in third, uh, what time did they go? They went 8.14, 8.19 and 8.29. And then on the girls' side of things, you only had three girls. Uh, Miriam Weird was first in 9.08. Big victory over Annie Jensen in 9.34. And then uh, a further 45 minutes or so back was Frankie Sanjara from uh, Great Britain. So that's you know that's a very quick summary of the the, res- the sort of results we've had of late. Uh, I guess the big race we've got coming up this weekend is Ironman Germany. We always talk about it being you know outside of Kona, the you know the, the highest profile race that there is on the circuit. Um, the other race that is going to be on, but we won't have any results for it. So actually on last weekend when you guys will have uh, be listening to this is Ironman Austria um, and uh, yeah we're recording a little bit early for the show so Marino Van Holnacker is racing there along with Michael Weiss and Bart Aronotz so Marino Van Holnacker expected time 7.52 we know he has absolutely crushed that course in the past so that should be uh, should be some good racing but then on the girls side of things and I wasn't sure whether this was a misread or not but Marinda Carfrey's racing uh, she's also listed on the Ironman Germany startless as well so I'd be highly surprised if she's doing two races in a row but maybe she just put her name down on on for the Germany race in case uh, something untoward happened in um, in Austria but she's predicted to come in 8 hours 47 uh, so yeah she's going to have a bit of a I would imagine a bit of a solo day out there you haven't really got any other Kona top 10 girls so she's just going to have to go out there and smash it and see what's in the tank but it'll be really interesting to see after you know the mishap in Kona last year and she hasn't really shown much over 70.3 distance as to whether she has got anything else uh, in the tank or whether she's just going to fire it all up for for Kona so that's Austria and then when we look at um, this weekend coming I'm in Germany the European Championships always draws a, a really good solid field uh, this year's no exception probably not many top, not too many top 10 Kona athletes there but you've got Sebastian Keenlay there who is predicted to come in in first place in 8 hours and 16 minutes uh, so he had a really a, a solid race there last year but just got blown out of the water by uh, Jan Fredino who if we remember back you know you think Jan Fredino the great runner but he went out there and just blitzed them on the bike put 3 minutes into Sebastian Keenlay and went 7.49 last year for an 11 minute or 12 minute victory over, over Keenlay with Andy Boucheret third in 8.03 uh, and then on the girls' side of things last year, we had Daniela Reef uh, take it out in 8.51. So again, a 10-minute victory over Julia Geiger and Caroline Steffen in third place. So on the guys' side of things, we've got uh, Sebastian Keenlay seeded number one. Andy Boucheret, uh, two. Speeder, uh, Bas Dieteren, Clement Alonso McKerna, Tim O'Donnell's there. And we know, you know he's shown some, some pretty awesome form in uh, racing in uh, Brazil and, and, and also in Kona. Uh, Nico Lanos, Michael Weiss is listed there as well but he's also listed in Austria so I doubt he'll double up but it's a, it's a big field on the guys side of things you've got a, probably around about 60, 60 dudes lining up so yeah yeah, I guess we all probably would expect Keenlay to go out there and, and, and try to blast it off the bike but we've seen Tim O'Donnell uh, he's no no slouch on the bike either when we saw him leading Kona I think it was the year before last or last year on the girls side of things uh, yeah, we've got Daniela Reef down, and Marinda Carfrey is listed, but as I said, uh, would be highly sceptical if she's going to race if Austria goes to plan. Um, also interesting on there, we've got Mel Halschleit, um, seated number three, and 
yeah, I thought she was done and dusted. You know, when we spoke to her pre Kona, uh, sounded like the injuries she had, the rib injuries and stuff, was was pretty much a career ender. So I'll be uh, really interested to see what she can do and whether she's in good shape or whether she's just trying to qualify for Kona or what the deal is there. Uh, so again, another big uh, big field there. You've got uh, Diana Reisler, Kristen uh, Kristen Moller, and a whole bunch of other girls. But you've got around about 27 girls on the on the start line. So big field big points, um, especially for those guys, you know, trying to, to grapple for Kona. I know Caroline Livesey is, uh, is is in there and she's been um, globetrotting, doing a number of races just trying to accumulate points. So yeah, these, these, these races, uh, regional championships, more money, but really important for their 4,000 point races. So if you have a good race here, uh, you've got a pretty good chance of making it to Kona. Uh, just a bit of other random news. Um, I watched. I didn't comment too much. No, we were, we we uh, had pre-recorded the show before the ITU World Series race in Leeds, and we've all been wondering: Is what's Alistair Brownlee? Is he going to have his A game this year? And people are saying, "Oh, is he is he passed it?" But we had the ITU race in Leeds a few weeks ago, uh, and so a lot of you guys will have seen it. But Brownlee just blitzed it, and. I've always thought, you know, Bevan keeps asking me, oh, is the Brownies going to win? And I'm sort of, oh, they haven't really shown much form of yet. But he showed in that race that if he's fit, he is going to crush everybody. It's pretty as simple as that. He's the most talented athlete out there. He's got the amazing swim-bike-run combo. And uh, if, if you didn't see the race, Brownlee, Brownlee, and uh, two other guys, it was uh, Aaron Royal and a, a Frenchy dude, they got away on the bike and they just drilled it and put two minutes or something into the rest of the field uh, it was pretty spectacular so then they then they were so far in front you know they don't need a gap going into the run very very impressive though so if Alistair Brownlee is fit come Rio those others are going to have a real handful uh, containing him especially as you just see how he wants to attack on the bike and if he gets any sort of gap and if he's got his brother with him they are going to be away and they're just going to fire up and it could be all over Rovers. So that was a real wake-up call for the for the for the guys. It looked like an amazing race over there for in terms of spectators. It was a pretty unique course, but uh, yeah, good and bad to see Brownlee back. It's going to be uh, it's going to make a, a complete domination if he's in shape for for Rio. But uh, and it really, would have really fired up the other fellas to go right. It's not just between uh, between Gomez and Mola. It's uh, you know you got those Brownies still to deal with. We have had a few emails in from people asking about Camp Kia Kaha in Rote. Uh, it's still the, the the wheels are still moving and it's looking really promising. So I've got a few people on the list. So if you are keen to come, I haven't got any prices or anything like that. It is going to be a week long camp. So we will assemble uh, about uh, eight days before the race and we'll do a bit of tiki touring around the the area. So it will be. Um, sort of in, in either Nuremberg or or close to Rote somewhere from the Wednesday and race week but sort of Saturday through to Wednesday we're going to move around a bit uh, tour, tour, do a little bit of touring but also check it make sure we check out the whole bike course and uh, yeah just get a bit more of a feel for, for the whole of Bavaria rather than just um, just holding up in, in one hotel for the whole week so that's pretty much it on the the news side of things um, 
yeah, it's, 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 there's lots going on, and, but it's just obviously a real challenging time for, for me and Bevan with him being away and now me being away. Um, but a big part of this show and next week's show is, and, and the week after that is going to be around the Epic Camp side of things. And I'm going to try to do as many interviews as I can, and I've said that before and I've failed miserably. But one thing that we have on this camp is we bought a new voice recorder. So thanks to every, all the patrons and that support the show. You know, those are the sort of things we can do is we can actually now go out and buy some more equipment. So we've got this awesome new voice recorder that will hopefully result in heaps better quality uh, from the camp but also when we go to Kona um, it should give you know, heaps better audio it's it's like a, a journalist um, quality voice recorder so I'm hopeful it's going to be awesome so uh, yeah that's your news for this week and the rest of the show uh, is coming up Right guys, as we've uh, discussed earlier in the show, a big part of my life for the next couple of weeks and what has been a big part of my life for getting ready the last year or so is Epic Camp France and we're just about ready to kick it off. Uh, I've been over here since uh, last Thursday and thankfully I was one of the few that actually arrived safely with my bike in tow uh, so I got on on Thursday evening about midnight and since then we've had people arriving in drips and drabs but it, in general it's been a complete debacle so a lot of athletes were supposed to arrive on Saturday and they had we had some major hot weather and also some other adverse weather somewhere between here and Paris and we're down in Aix-en-Provence and guys were late, One, a couple of guys were on the train for an extra five hours for what they were supposed to be, uh, so it's supposed to be a three and a half hour train journey and ended up taking them eight and a half hours. Other people turned up without their bikes, like some guys in London uh, who had come over from the States and transiting in London had their flight cancelled and they're still not here, the Philinator's bike hadn't, didn't, hasn't turned up and he was late, so in general it's just been a nightmare. So it's Sunday morning, I'm recording Sunday morning and uh, we're starting the camp Monday tomorrow. There's still not some bikes here, there's still some people not here, so it's all a bit of a nightmare. But fingers crossed we'll kick off and everything will be all hunky-dory tomorrow morning. So yeah, I thought I'd give you guys a bit of a rundown on the route we're taking and then over the next few shows you'll hear a bit more about um, the camp from the athletes. As I said, we've got this new voice recorder. I'm going to try to do some more um, interviews actually you know, live when we're out on the course or when we finish the days when it's all pretty fresh. So yeah, as I said, we're in Aix-en-Provence, um, which is in the south of France, very close to Marseille. Uh, we're going to kick off day one by having a bit of a swim in the Mediterranean. I had a swim out there the other day and it was beautiful and clear. Uh, so looking forward to that. We thought we can't come all this way over here and uh, just jump in a lake somewhere. I wanted to make sure we had a sea swim. So, uh, and, and that was a big part of this camp was uh, I always, key thing for me was doing Mont Ventoux and to share that with the other people. I've never ridden it before and it's, the thing with Mont Ventoux, it's not in the Alps, it's kind of in the, just, out in the middle of nowhere by itself so you've got to really transition from there to get to the Alps so it makes the camp a little bit longer it means um, one of our other days is is a bit flatter rather than just turning up and just riding the Alps our day one is Mont Ventoux so we're swimming in the morning uh, we'll go have a 2k swim race and then we're going to come back to the hotel get on our bikes and ride Mont Ventoux our total stage time much to the disbelief of our receptionist at the hotel she's like it's not possible you cannot ride that far it's, it's around 
about 170 k's and uh, it's not just Mont Ventoux. 2 as I found out yesterday when I went out riding the riding is uh, certainly not flat on the approach I only rode the first uh, 20 odd k's and there's plenty of climbing and looking at the profile you know, we're, it's well over 3,000 metres of climbing on day one and uh, of that Mont Ventoux 2 must be I guess around half of it so we're actually doing another half uh, on the approach so 170 k's with uh, over 3,000 metres of climbing Mont Ventoux 2 is a brute of a climb not that I've done it but I've seen it on uh, on Tour de France I've looked at the profile and it's long and it's steep the, approach, the, the beginning is not too bad but it, I think it averages either just under or just over 10% for I think it's about 16 kilometres or something so it's going to be brutal. The fastest time you see on Strava is a Tour de France rider, uh, I think it's Lawrence Van Damme, and he's done it in 58 minutes. So I think for us, we're expecting around about an hour and a half. Uh, some people might be uh, yeah, it might be even closer to two hours. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be awesome, and it's probably going to be, for me, or has been one of the highlights that I'm really looking forward to on the camp. So that's day one. And then day two, we have to transition from uh, the bottom of Mont Ventoux all the way across to Ombrum, where they do the Ombrum Man, or Embrum as some people call it. Uh, that looks like a really epic day as well. It, it, you're not going over any mountain passes, but we've got to ride 180 k's, uh, and again, over 3,000 metres of climbing, so it's going to be a lot of up and down on that day, especially when we haven't got any major passes to go over. So that's day two, we're in Ombrum, and then day three uh, is when we really start to hit the Alps. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to swim down in the, the lake where they do Ombrum Man, and then we're going to be getting on the old uh, two-wheeler, and we kick off the day getting over the Col d'Azard, which is one of the iconic and stunning-looking climbs of the Tour de France. Uh, you get to the top, and it's very uh, moon-like, uh, just wicked I have done that one before so really looking forward to to that it's got a massive approach on it so you you're climbing for a good 40 kilometers in total uh, the first sort of 25 of that is uh, really just going up a, a river valley so lots of one two three percent uh, and then the main part of the climb is pretty brutal and I do remember on that one last time we did it I exploded so really uh, hoping that I'm going to be able to turn that round then we move on to um, we also go over the Col de Loserae, finishing that stage. It's uh, I think it's 115 k's all up, but a lot of climbing getting over the Isuard. Next day is uh, Alpe d'Huez day. Um, it's going to be cool. We roll down the hill to Alpe d'Huez from where we're staying in a place called Le Grave, and then we're going to race up there. We're going to basically do a broken triathlon. So we're going to start at the bottom. Uh, I think Alpe d'Huez is 16 kilometres. It's not overly steep, it's, uh, but it's just that iconic cl climb with just switchback after switchback. We'll finish up at the top there, and then we'll be heading down to the pool, and we're going to do a 1,500 metre swim in the pool as, as, a, as a race, take the times, and then we're going to go and run 10k on the Alpe d'Huez triathlon course, and uh, combine all those times up, so it's going to be a broken triathlon, and see who can come out on top on that. So that's going to be cool. And then the day five for us uh, is going to be our biggest day on the bike. We start off by going over the Col de Galibier, which is, uh, is a brutal climb. Come down the other side, and then we're going to go over the monster of the Col d'Azran, which looks like it's around about a 60-kilometre climb. Now, a lot of that is not steep. It's 1%, 2 3% stuff. But from what I've been told, 
it is just goes on and on and on and on and it's one of the highest if not the highest road uh, in the Alps I think the, the, the Bonnet is a little bit higher but it's, it's, it's a really brutal one so yeah that's going to be uh, I think on that day we have close to 5,000 metres of climbing over 170 odd k's so it, it, we're going to be out there all day uh, we'll hopefully have time for a run we're non-swim day we haven't got any swim options but I think our scheduled finish time is going to be around about uh, 5 o'clock <laughs> and I think our run's going to start at uh, 4.30, uh, not 4.30, at about 5.30 in the morning. So that's going to be a massive day. Day 6, we're at a place called St. Foy Terrace I can't pronounce the, the last part of the word. But uh, that's probably our, our day six is our chill out day. Lots of options there for athletes to do the minimums, which is going to be you know three k swim at the pool, biking. Probably uh, the minimum there is only going to be thirty k, and a lot of people will take the option there to do a long run on that day. So sort of two to three hour run doesn't sound that chilled out to me. But uh, it's a day where athletes can regroup a bit. We're not moving point to point, and that's a, a cool thing about this camp is that the back half of the camp we're not moving point to point so much. Just get a little bit more time to regroup, less un unpacking, packing etc uh, and then we move on after that to uh, the area called the Grand Bonnard and we've got to go over some climbs that are, are not they, they do go over them in Tour de France but the roads are a bit smaller uh, and they're actually a bit more scenic and so we're going over the, the, Col de, the Cornet de Roseland and uh, the Col de Revis which uh, they do go over the Tour and they're going over it this year uh, so that's going to be another picturesque day through the Alps with views of Mont Ventoux Day eight, uh, we're gonna actually going to be going down to Lake Annecy from Le Grand Bonnard and doing a little uh, try event from from there. And then day nine is more or less doing a Tour de France stage. Uh, we're going, uh, which is in this year's tour. We're going over the the Ramis uh, and the Col de Joplan and the Col de Colombier. So I'm not sure what stage it is of the Tour de France, but that's more or less one of the stages from this year. Uh, but they do one extra climb that we will have done the day two days earlier, the Col d'Arrivis. So that's going to be epic. It is climbing all day long there is basically you look at the the profile and it's just a shark's teeth profile you're just going up down up down up down no flat whatsoever pretty much so that's going to be cool and then we're going to be rolling into Morzine uh, on, on that day and then we're going to be closing out the camp in Morzine so then day 10 is my birthday and then I've I don't know if this is going to be ludicrous, but it's certainly going to be epic is attempting to do 100 100s when we're going to be in such a ridiculously fatigued state at that stage of the camps you're, your running is just woeful uh, it's just terrible, slow but takes lots of effort and swimming you're just so fatigued, you're low in the water uh, so I'm not hopeful of swimming very fast at all if we do those 100-100s the plan is we are going to do it I'm, I'm certainly going to give it a crack unless I'm uh, there's something majorly wrong with me so I'd normally do you know 100 metre reps on yeah, 135, something like that, but I'm probably going to aim for doing them on uh, two minutes. There's lots of bonus points on offer, but you do the maths, you're doing 100 100s on two minutes, I'm going to be in there for three hours and 20 minutes uh, thereabouts, and even if I do them on a quicker time, it's still going to be uh, more than three hours, so it's going to be a crazy long swim. I haven't done a 10k swim since I think I was in France, which would have been uh, 1999, I think I did it, so it is going to be brutal and uh, I don't know if there will be a lot of exercising outside of that that day. There will still be a minimum run and bike, but uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be very interesting. And then our final day, day 11, we're still in Morzine. We're going to do just a, a, a triathlon. 
swim in the lake, bike up to Avoriers, which is a ski station near Morzine, and, uh, and then have a run. So very much a bike-dominated camp, this one. Uh, hills for Africa. If you want to check out the blogs, go to epiccamp.com, and I've got a button on there which is uh, live from Epic Camp France. There's a lot of guys that are blogging from the race. I'll be blogging on there. I'll also be posting all my... Um, Garmin information, so power files, run files, swim files, assuming all goes to plan, so you'll be able to kind of see what speed we're going at, what power we're going at, um, and how the sort of days unfold. Uh, my own tactics, you know, what I really want to get out of this camp is I, you know, this is my big focus for the, the year, I haven't got any other races, uh, so I just want to see, you know, how well I can get up these climbs in terms of, um, you know, what sort of power I can hold. You know, it's all good and well having estimated FTP and, and our climbs in Christchurch are all sort of 30 minutes long. It's a total different um, ball game when you're climbing for an hour to an hour and a half. So really excited to see how I react to that. There are a few strong dudes on the camp, uh, so I don't expect to be winning the KOMs, but I want to be as competitive as I can be. Uh, I think one of the things that concerns me, as well as all the crazy stupid volume we're going to do, is uh, is the heat. Originally I was telling guys, bring all your winter stuff, the start to summer in France has been woeful, uh, but since we've got here it has been baking hot and I often struggle in the heat, so uh, I'm really going to have to look after myself on those climbs and yeah, that's an unknown, then I'm just going to throw caution into the wind and, and see how I get on. So yeah, I guess uh, the talking's all done now in terms of getting ready for it and doing all the preparation and trying to guesstimate what it's going to be like. We kick off in uh, basically 24 hours time and uh, it's going to be awesome. I will be also posting lots of uh, pictures if I can onto Facebook, so, so check out the Epic Camp Facebook page and yeah, it's going to be good times. Special thanks to our guys, uh, the support crew. Um, we'll catch up with them a bit more during the camp at the Pyrenees Multi Sport. If you guys are, um, they do not just camps in the Pyrenees, but they also go to uh, Corsica, they do camps in the Alps. Uh, and one of the big things, though, is sort of doing the raid Pyrenees, sort of riding through the Pyrenees. They've got a great spot over there as well, and they have a lot of groups come over and just do self guided weeks, so they basically use uh, Pyrenees Multisport as a base, uh, they know they're going to get good food, um, they're going to get really looked after, and then they can go off and, and you can have your own you know, tri-club camp, or if you've got, you know, you want to get 10 mates together or something like that, go and check out Pyrenees Multisport, you go over there, stay there for a week, do the tourmalay and all those climbs around there, uh, and we'll catch up with our other, other support crew when they arrive, I know one of them was delayed last night getting in, um, but yeah, we've got a really good crew in, crew in place, so looking forward to it. Sponsor, and today I'm going to talk about Athlinks.com, and I have to say Athlinks.com, I just signed into my own Athlinks account, and to be honest, I haven't done much racing over the last period of time, and uh, which, uh, so I don't have a lot of results on there based on the last period of time, but because Challenger Rote is coming up, I thought I'd check out my Challenger Rote results, and this is where Athlinks is so, so valuable, because... Uh, to be honest, if you ask me how I did in my rote races, I did rote twice. I, I really couldn't give you any idea of how I did. I think I remember the time. I think the first time I did about nine twenty, and the second time, obviously, I did at nine oh five. But I, I can close to all my races I've ever done, and I can look at them. And I got Challenger Rote. I did two thousand, sorry, two thousand and seven, and in two thousand and eight. 
and then I click on 2008 and you can see your time at 9.05.41 but then you can actually break it down to race details and it's pretty thorough like it's really interesting actually looking at what you're doing so if we look at the race results in the age group of 30 to 34 I must have been in that age at the time I got in the top 5% I got 17th out of 344 athletes which is pretty crazy it shows how fast road is doesn't it because I did a 905, which on most courses around the world, if you're doing a 905, you're pretty much probably going to get a podium or at least top 10 in your age group. But in that year in Rota, I only got 17th. Uh, as male overall, so in the road race that year, there was 40, oh, sorry, 2,049 males, and I got in the top 2%, so I got 44th male overall. Really interesting, actually, in the number of females in the road race. Back in those days, which was, what, nearly eight years ago, there were only 200 females in the race. So overall, in the whole race, there was 2,290 runners or athletes, and I got 49th overall, so five females beat me. But that's, you know, there were 2,049 male athletes, so that's pretty interesting. Swim, so you can, it breaks down the race as well. So my swim, I did my best ever Ironman swim there in 53, which I was pretty over the moon with because I didn't think there was, you know, that was kind of way better than I ever thought I could swim, and that was 24th of my age group. Um... And there was 66 in my age group in that swim. So that was pretty interesting. I averaged 124 per 100 yards. So that's pretty cool as well to know that information. My transition was 233. My bike leg, I did a 455, um, which I probably needed to go faster in the bike. If, you know, if I'd gone faster in the bike, I would have got that sub nine. My transition, I got first in the transition. And for those who have listened to the show for years, you'll know that I, in that race, I actually won the transition. It took me 54 seconds. And then I ran a 3.12 and for an overall time. So then after that, you can also see your friends on Facebook who actually ran that race as well. So we had John Newsom, we had Mark Tickner, we had Ross Muir, we had Rick Nose Rose, Jeff not sure Jeff's last name is, Stuart Dunn, Sean the Porno Barnes, Des Atkinson, Chris Dunn, James Paul, uh, Reed Kaiser, Glenn Russell, and Christopher League. So these are all friends of mine on Athlinks who did the same race. And John was the only person who beat me, and I managed to beat everyone else, which is kind of cool. Uh, then it shows the difference between my age groups. So it's got everyone in my age group who beat me. Wow, this is so thorough. So just, you know, if you you know, Athlinks is such a great place just to store your races, but what they also do is break down the race information for you. And as we've said over the years, a lot of race websites, A, aren't that good at keeping things up to date. But what happens if races disappear over time? This information gets lost, but Athlinks keep this data on their database so it sticks with you forever and it's just such a valuable tool to have within your kind of world as an athlete so if you aren't on athlinks already make sure you get on there just go to athlinks.com it's very simple to sign up and once you're signed up just get into the habit of every time you do a race just the next week go to the website put it in and then you have this information and you know what this is eight years ago for me and i you know, I remember the race, but I don't know if I remembered all of these components of the race. And, you know, now looking back at it now, it's really cool to have this information. So a good investment in your athletic history. Check out athlinks.com.
Okay, guys, we've got Rob from Team Oxygen Addict back um, to give us some tips around race day performance. A lot of you guys in Europe and also across America, you know, it's very much the racing season and we spend countless hours out there training uh, and sometimes just hope for the best. But, you know, you really need to have a plan. That's a big part of, you know, making sure you set yourself up for success. So welcome back to the show, Rob. Thanks very much, John. Yeah, it's great to be back on, mate. And uh, like you said, it's really kicking off here over in Europe. We've got Ironman Austria this weekend and Frankfurt the week after, and then Ironman UK a couple of weeks after that. So uh, so the big events are coming around just around the corner for everyone that's been training for the best part of a year, probably. Yeah. So, so in terms of um, you know, getting yourself ready, how do you how do you approach things in terms of you know, race planning across uh, across sort of the individ- individual disciplines? Yeah, so what I thought I'd put together for us for today, man, was a sort of top three tips for each of the swim, bike and run. Um, and I think it's possible to get completely overawed with with what you've got going on and get lost in lists. And, you know, you go on Facebook and see guys have got three sides of A4 about what they're going to think about for their race mm. plan. So I think the key to this is to keep it really simple and have just a couple of things to concentrate on. And hopefully, you know, you'll see a recurring theme through these things that are hopefully going to guide people to uh, to having a really successful day out there without needing to stress out too much on the way forward. Hmm. So the swim's obviously a bit of a changing beast these days. I'm not sure what your races in the in the UK are like, but you know we've got so many different swim format starts. You've got the, you know, you got the rolling start, you got the mass start. I think they had a mass start in, in Nice recently, and then you've got sort of the um, wave starts. So maybe talk us through talk us through the the swim a bit and and, and your, your top tips for the swimming. Yeah, well, a lot of the UK and Europe-based races are switching to the the sort of rolling start at the moment as well. But I think we'll talk for, we'll talk first about the mass start race. I think the most mm. important thing is if your race is a mass start or a wave start, where you've got you know anything from several hundred to several thousand people in the water all at once, you want to seed yourself properly. And you've got to be honest with yourself, and you've got to look at the times that the, the majority of the field are swimming. And, you know, if you're an 80-minute swimmer, there's no point sticking yourself on the front line because you are going to get killed in the first 25 metres with several hundred mm. people swimming over your head. I mean, everyone's had this experience, right? Even experienced people put themselves a bit too far up the field. But I think you've got to just think, look, the most important thing to do with the swim is to get through it without any drama. And the best way to do that is if you see yourself a little bit too far back, then you can always swim round people a bit later on in the race and things are gonna things are gonna spread out within twenty minutes anyway. If you see yourself a little bit too far forward in these mass starts, it's gonna be absolute misery for the first five minutes and that can really, you know, wreck your confidence for the rest of the day. Mm. So, you know, air yourself on the side of caution there for the for the mass starts. And again, with the rolling starts, I think you've just got to be guided by what the organisers say. Mm. I think some of the faster guys are really keen to get in the water first and and kind of make it like a race so that they know the race and the guys around them. I know some of the people um, who are slower are keen to get in the water first as well to give themselves that sort of maximum opportunity of the most amount of time because something to be aware of, I've heard stories from several races where they don't adjust that cutoff time depending mm. on you know, if you start later on in the in the rolling swim start, have you heard that as well? Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, there's there's so few people in that sort of two hour twenty bracket that are going to be um, are going to be potentially cut off. So yeah, if if you are one of those swimmers that 
is going to be in the water greater than two hours you need to have have a pretty strong plan and make sure you know the ins and outs of what's going on but for the rest yeah. of people it's uh it's, it's usually not too much of a concern that's right i think it's just those there's people who are going to be close to the cutoff need to be getting themselves in the water relatively early and and i wouldn't worry too much about faster people swimming over you because it does seem to be a constant stream of people going out rather than that kind of mass bunch of people so that'll give them every opportunity to get across the start uh, get across the finish line within the cutoff time Mm. in terms of pacing Um, and stuff you know um you know athletes that come from short course sort of racing you know often it's just slam it at the start and and hang on for dear (laughs) dear life um you know what's your what's your sort of advice around and around pacing for you know for, for, for generic sort of middle of the packers yeah so you know obviously for the the front of the pack guys this isn't going to apply but for most people i think the key is that you've got to really go out and go with the aim of swimming easy you don't even want to be going out with the the aim of swimming a pb you want to think i want to get through this swim make it as relaxed as possible and the way i tell my athletes to do this is you use breathing as a guide obviously you can't look at your heart rate monitor when you're swimming you haven't got a power meter to look at when you're swimming it's pretty hard to look at a garmin and get a pace feel for as you're swimming along like you would in a pool so use your breathing as a guide and anything that means you've got to breathe faster than bilateral breathing means that you're swimming too hard in an Ironman that's my guide to athletes so you should be able to comfortably swim along breathing every three strokes and that's as fast as you want to be breathing for most guys I think they'd be they'd be happy enough swimming along breathing every fourth stroke and that's a good guide that they're really in that sort of aerobic zone they're cruising along and everything's going to be great and I can remember for my first Ironman going out as you know not intending to go out hard but I was so excited mm. swimming as fast as I possibly could and for 20 minutes you know, it was probably harder, the hardest K that I swam that mm. whole year mm. without meaning to. So really use your breathing as a guide. If, if you're struggling to swim bilateral and you need to breathe faster than that, it's a good sign that you, you're going a little bit too fast. Mm. And problems do occur out there on race day. So, you know, uh, and often the athletes kind of ignore them and then uh, and don't don't try to sort sort things out on the fly. Yeah, man. So here's two really quick ones. If your goggles are messed up or they fill with water, just take a second to roll onto your back and empty them out and or even clean the lenses a little bit and then carry on swimming because you're going to lose maybe three or four seconds maximum. The benefit of that is the comfort. You can see where you're going again. It's a really big deal. And the second thing I would say is just double check, <clears throat> excuse me, before you start that the little bit of uh, Velcro across the back of your neck on your wetsuit is actually attached to the, the the part of the velcro on the wetsuit it's not just riding a bit high because i'm, I'm going to hold my hand up here man as a swimmer of 20 odd years in open water i'm sitting here right now with a great big ugly red welt across the back of my <laughs> neck where i swam a few days ago in a race and didn't stop and take the three seconds just to move that bit of velcro and man it still hurts like hell three days later so you don't want that neck rash caused by the the sharp bit of the velcro digging you in so you know use those those little seconds just to adjust it and get some body glide on around the edge of your wetsuit as well can make such a difference to getting it on and off quickly and making it just a little bit more comfortable as you're swimming it's very simple stuff you know what what we're discussing here but excuse me as well you've sent the cough down the line rob (coughs) (laughs) um 
it's you know picture it's of health, so, aren't we? So many people <laughs> do not fix their goggles. I come out, oh my goggles were leaking all the way through the through the swim, and it literally is a couple of seconds. And as Rob said, you might lose just a few meters, but my goodness, you know, if you, it can make you, you know, the extra half an hour you're swimming so much more comfortable. So, yeah, coming coming onto the bike, um, you know, people go nuts. So around pacing and stuff, you know, we can go into detail in the future interviews around you know exact pacing and stuff but in general what are some of the the sort of pacing errors or or advice that you give out um for for some of the newer athletes all right so i think the key thing here to remember is that the fastest way to get your fastest overall bike split is an even split you're not going to go out faster and then fade across the race and you're not going to go out slow and get faster towards the end but having an even split doesn't mean it's going to feel even paced it means you're probably going to have to increase your effort across the ride and it means you're going to have to increase your heart rate across the ride as well and if you took a like a six hour bike leg and you saw someone's power file where they've hold, held the power steady you'll probably see the heart rate increase by 10 or even maybe 15 beats a minute across that 60 uh, that six hour period so if you just ride enough heart rate aim to sort of start a bit lower than the average you're looking for build through the average point you're looking to ride and then push on a little bit towards the end now if you're on a course that's got some hills on it a real good way to think about the hills is they're there to destroy your chances of a decent marathon so the minute the time the road goes uphill I want you to just change up a couple of sprockets straight away. Any kind of thing that feels like you're going uphill and you notice that you're slowing down, change up two sprockets straight away. And then if you notice that your cadence is starting to slow even more, change up another sprocket. And that's a really good way to sort of try and even out the power. If you get into that habit of kind of popping out the saddle and putting a bit of power down every time that the rollers come, you're going to spike your power and that's going to really burn your legs for later on. Exactly. And nutrition, you know, everybody's um, <clears throat> always after nutritional tips. So what's your sort of guidelines around, A, what people should be doing in racing, but also what they should be practicing to get to get ready for their races? Yeah, well, you know, the horse might have bolted a little bit for nutritional advice during training, but obviously we want the guys to be training and practicing <laughs> what they're going to do on race day during the long training rides. And I think a good guideline here is about 250 calories an hour on the bike plus or minus so smaller people smaller ladies might be at the lower end of this or maybe even a little less the bigger guys might go up to about 350 calories an hour and the reason we you know it sounds like a relatively small number that's pretty much like a can of coke every hour in terms of energy mm. but any more than that and your body just simply can't absorb it while you're exercising mm. and obviously the harder you push the less calories you can absorb as well so a good rule of thumb, I think, is around that 250 to 300 calories for most male age groupers. And then later on, if you need to put some more in, you can put some more in. If you go you know, too hard and you put in 400 or 500 calories an hour in because you've read that's what Mark Allen did. <laughs> like He was a genetic freak, man. He, mm. he trained for years to be able to absorb all that calories during the run. If you've got too much in there, there's only one way it's going to go. It's going to sit in your gut for the rest of the ride. You won't process it. And you're either going to have to go to the portaloo or you're going to have to be sick during the run. Mm. So it's much easier to add a little bit extra in later on than it is to try and puke up a thousand calories of gel on the run course. And, and connected with your, your nutrition is, is your hydration. So, you know, what's your guidelines around that? 
Yeah, so hydration, I think the most important thing to mention here is that water isn't going to just do the job for hydration. If you're sweating out, that's taking out water and it's taking electrolytes with it. So everything that you take in has got to be isotonic. It's got to be the same amount of sodium and potassium that goes out in your sweat. So a real good guideline here is you need to be looking at about 500 milligrams of sodium in 500 milliliters of water per hour. Now, some guys are really, really heavy sweaters. I'm a really salty sweater and I need to take between a thousand and fifteen hundred milligrams an hour of sodium just to even try and stay level and if it's hot it's a real job for me just to stay you know just to stay in an even keel but for most people I would say if you're taking that 500 mils of sodium with 500 milliliters of water per hour you're at the point there where at least the fluids that are going in are isotonic and it's going to avoid that risk of hyponatremia which is essentially you know drinking too much water and flushing the electrolytes out of your body and ending up you know it's called water drunkenness i think sometimes isn't it mm. so i think that's a that's a good basic level for people to shoot for cool coming off the bike you know you've you've got your pacing right you've got your nutrition right you've got your hydration right you've paced yourself in the swim uh things can can turn pear-shaped on the run pretty quickly especially that first 10k where people think they're think this uh think they're done in terms of uh absolutely nailing the race um so what's your advice around pacing on the run Okay, so we're going to split the run into two equal parts. The first equal part is 30 kilometers long, and the second equal part is the last 12 kilometers. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I want the pacing to be have a look through your training diary, find a 30k run that you did tired in training, and the average speed of that is the average speed you're going to try and run at the start of this race. You're not going to get any magic bullets because it's Ironman race day. You're not going to suddenly be able to run 30 seconds a mile faster. So aim for that same sort of pace that you ran at in your long, slow, tired run in training. I advise everyone to do this as nine minute run, one minute walk. That's really going to help save your legs for later on. And we've talked about that before. Mm. People can go back and check out the podcast. And there's some good handouts on my website there about that as well. Mm. If you get yourself to 30K, and you feel like you want to go hard, fill your boots, man. You've got 12K to run hard. And at that point, brilliant. Mm. At that point, for most people, they are thinking, you know, I just want to get to the finish line and mm. walk and run as hard as you can to get there. But the thing that's going to kill your chances of a decent marathon is running that first 5 or 10K 30 seconds a mile too fast. So have discipline there and hold yourself back and you give yourself the best chance of being fast when everyone else is slowing down at the end. Absolutely. And nutrition on the run? Yeah, we're going to look at the same as we did on the bike, but it needs to be more liquid. So um, taking any kind of solids in is very difficult on the run. So it's either going to be mostly gel or coke. Um, again, we're needing to keep the sodium intake up as well. So I'm going to say at the start of the run, we're going to be taking in a mixture of the sort of the isotonic energy drinks that are given out and some gels. And then when you switch to Coke later on, that can be a real nice boost around the halfway point in the run. If you switch to Coke, stay with Coke from that point on. Don't try and mix the sort of isotonic Lucozade type stuff with Coke and salt tablets with Coke because that tends to upset people's stomachs. Um, and obviously the aid stations are there, so I make use of them. Hydrate at every aid station. If you can get a cup of some kind of liquid in at every aid station along the way, most races have got the aid station every mile or every 2K. That's going to be enough to get you through to the finish line. So don't make it overcomplicated. Walk yourself through each aid station, get that aid in, and off you go again.
Mm. So a lot of this stuff is, is, as I mentioned before, it's it's simple stuff, but it's all around you know having having a plan for the day because I just we just see and you will see it as well from a coaching perspective. You just see so many athletes train the house down and just go into the yep. race and go, okay, well uh, it's all going to happen for me, and, um, and and not <laughs> not really thinking about a lot of these things and just go out there and and do it by feel. And and we've all seen you know numerous cases of people doing bike rides by feel and run by feel and uh, and and you look at the file and you see the the spiraling spiraling pace downhill. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And I think um, I think the other mistake people make is having a plan and then deciding they're going to go to hell with it in the first <laughs> 20 minutes of the bike when they get excited. Yeah. So have your plan, stick to your plan. You've got that plan for a reason. Exactly. Cool. Um, so in terms of uh, what you've got coming up with Team Oxygen Addict, um, what's, what's on the agenda in terms of people who want to you know, get a bit more knowledge from you? Yeah, well, what we'd love, man, we're having a we're having a, an hour long webinar in a week's time. It's going to be um, a week today as this goes live. So it's going to be Tuesday the or oh, the twenty. Let me get the date right here. Smooth, hey. Yeah. Tuesday the twenty eighth of June at eight o'clock UK time. If they go over and check it out at team.oxygenaddict.com forward slash race day, pop in their email address and we'll send you a, an invite over via email. And the webinar is going to be titled Race Day Success. So we're going to be covering similar stuff to what we've just done here, but in a little bit more detail. And after the webinar, we're going to have a live QA on air where people can ask us questions there. Um, if people don't catch your webinar live, you know, because they're out, <laughs> they're out training or working or in different parts of the world, is it available after afterwards as a recorded? Um yeah, it absolutely is. Everyone yep. who sends us their, their email address to be invited for a place, we'll send them a link afterwards where they can watch a recording of the show um, and they can watch that in their own leisure. Cool. So do they go to team.oxygenaddict.com or elsewhere? Where, where, is, where do they need to get head to? That's it, yeah. Team.oxygenaddict.com forward slash race day and that'll give them the sign-up sheet there where they just pop their email address in. Awesome, Rob. Oh, we look forward to catching up. I think our next catch up is going to be um, around Ironman UK, and that's a, an event that I would uh, like to hear a lot more about because sometimes we, you know, talk up things like Nice and those races that have got, uh, you know, uh, slightly more history. But some of those UK races look absolutely brilliant. So I'm keen to to pick your brain a bit more on uh, on some of those events and, and also who's racing, etc. Great. I'd love to do that, mate. We'll speak again in a few weeks, then. Perfect sponsor okay guys we have to talk a little bit about here about extreme endurance your lactic buffer i'm actually on their website right now and i've just got a a link to zach bitter who's just broken the american 100 mile record now this is phenomenal man he ran 100 mile which is 160 kilometers in a time of 11 hours and 40 minutes and 55 seconds. Now that's an average pace of seven minute miles. That's pretty phenomenal, man. That, that is pretty amazing stuff. So, and he's sponsored by Extreme Endurance and you guys have been listening to the show for a long time. You know a lot about Extreme Endurance. It's your lactic buffer and they've got a lot of products that you can choose from nowadays. You've got your Extreme Endurance, which is your traditional product, which is about your lactic buffer. They've got the Fuel 5 and it's just about getting energy sources that are going to work for you in different ways. They've also got their own protein recovery drink and you get that in chocolate. They've got creatine, they've got Hydro X, their Omega, their Immune Boost, and John's always a big fan of their Immune Boost. If you are an Immune Boost person, a good thing about it is to use it in your off-season, in the winter season. You know, in the winter season, the one thing we don't want to do is get sick. If you're aiming for an A goal and you have to train through winter, for example, when I did Kona, 
and you're training in Christchurch in winter for a race that's going to be extremely hot and you're trying to do your peak yards at the time of this year where you, the chance of getting sick increases massively. So when you use something like a moon boost, what you're doing is you're giving yourself the chance just to keep healthy through that time. Now obviously it takes more than just using a moon boost, you've got to make sure you've got gear, um, you've got to be a little bit wiser around your training, which means sometimes you may train indoor, indoors, but at the same time, by using something like immune boost, you're just helping to keep your immune system in a good place to get through that training in a good way. Also, for the older athletes out there, joint four, you know, we know as we get older, those joints are struggle a little bit more, so you can kind of get that joint four to look after all your joints. So, Extreme Endurance guys, they've been a big supporter of the show for so many years, and to be honest, we get so much good feedback. Actually, we've got an amazing email, which we'll read out on the show in a few weeks from now um, from one of our listeners in regards to the topic that Sandy was talking about when he came on the show a few weeks ago. It's pretty phenomenal. So we're going to read that email out when John gets back into the normal shows. So, But check it out, guys. Extreme Endurance. Support them. They've got great products that help you become a better athlete. And at the same time, by supporting them, you're supporting the show. So there you go, extremeendurance.com. And remember, there is a code, and I can't remember it right now. I think it's IMTalk at checkout. And that gives you $5 off you, anything you buy. Anyway, extremeendurance.com. Right, our team, that's pretty much today's show. I know today's show is a bit of a mishmash. We've kind of just put together uh, in a way that could make it work because John's away, and we tried to do it yesterday morning, but for some reason... The internet just just didn't want to work for us. So today, it's a little bit different. Hopefully we can get a more normal show back to you next week. And then I think John's back in the studios the week after that. And we've got some pretty cool interviews lined up over the next period of time. So check out those things. Just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. If you are a patron of the show, you know who you are. We just really appreciate all the support that you give to the show. It makes a big difference in getting John and I making good shows for you guys each week. If you aren't a patron of the show, you can go to www.patreon.com. I am talk.me and that's all pretty simple. We'll just go to the page into the community section and you can become a patron of the show. If you do become a patron of the show, you do go on a chance of winning a trip to Kona. So it's definitely worth doing. And depending on your level of patronage, you can also get a gift based on how much of a patron you are. So anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. I've got a good tan because I just got back from Thailand, so it's kind of exciting for me. But I'm back into work and I'm back into Christchurch cold weather, so my tan's going to disappear. I'm sure I'll have some funny stories for you back from my trip when uh, we get back to the normal show next week. Anyway, that's this week's show. I'm Russ. I'm Mendon. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.